Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. I threw the question out there about how much better you think this defense can be or maybe it looks right now on paper. Of course, there's no activities going on that are going to change the game. But just from what the Raiders have done this offseason, how much better, how much more improved do you think that this defense could potentially be? 69187, keyword R&R. That's Text line, we got a text from 805 Raider. It comes down to the cornerbacks and D-line. One of the new cornerbacks, Duke, Long, or Jacorian have to be the guy at right corner. And if Tillery and Wilson can start the year with some sacks in the first few games, it'll be a good sign. Again, that's 805 Raider. You can keep those responses coming in at 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines is our good friend, Amber Theo Harris. And Amber, thanks so much for your time. It's always great to catch up with you. And I know you were in Kansas City for the draft. I saw you with Bryce Young. How was that whole experience? How much fun was that covering another draft? Oh, it was fun, and it's good to be back with you. I'm just disappointed that my intro music no longer is too short. That's what, a good point. Happened? I thought, i got to put that in the contract, that yep. I have to be introduced yep. to too short, blow the whistle. So yep. let's yep. establish that going forward, okay? Yeah, hey, Damon, sure you hear it, Damon. You hear now, it. First, it's Paul Gutierrez that's got custom music. Now, hey, Amber's man. got custom music. This is royalty. This is I unnecessary mean. roughness royalty, dog. <laughs> Won't happen again, OG. My fault. <laughs> I just need my hype music. I just need my hype music coming in if I'm talking about the Raiders and, you know, of course, too short gets you going. But, yep. um, no, the, the draft was awesome. Um, it's going to be back on with you. It's been a minute. Um, another draft for me, and I always am in awe of the whole process and the backstage, um, like what happens backstage. I always um, really, really focus in on the feel that I get from these young men because I interview all of the first-rounders that are present at the draft. And I tell you, over the past couple of years, I will, I've started to speak out loud about, okay, the, the, the certain players that I had a really good feel about. Um, just from my interaction with them off air and on air and seeing their family and seeing how they react in that moment and everything, and I have been dead on every single year in predicting who I think will have a big rookie year. Like, for example, Jamar Chase mm-hmm. was one in 2021 that – I told my producer, I was like, I just have a feel for that. That guy's going to have a big year. Had a huge year. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, Garrett Wilson, I said that. What, he was wearing his pearls. Um, Garrett Wilson and, and, and Aiden Hutchinson, I just, those were the two that stood out to me. So, um, you know, this year I'm hoping it's, it, it's Tyree. Right, right. <laughs> I'm hoping it is, right? <laughs> um, for the, for the Raiders' sake, I'm excited about that pick. Um, but I, I do have to say on a non-Raiders note, you know, Devin Witherspoon and C.J. Stroud, I just walked away saying, those are my two for this year. Yeah, yeah, so, I, so I can see that. that down. I, no, I do. It's done. I'm writing it down right now. I, I can totally see that. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I actually got a chance to talk to those guys on Wednesday before the draft out at the Play 60 event there in Kansas City. But I, I know that we have talked about Bryce Young, and I remember you saying that you felt like it was Bryce Young or, or, or nothing else for the Raiders, and he was the first overall pick for the Carolina Panthers. What impression did you have of Bryce when you got the opportunity to talk to him? Bryce Young to me was like a Beyonce, right? Like, he's a superstar. 
he's he said all the right things. He was extremely well trained. He acted like he had been there before, uh, trained in media, I should say, as far as speaking. Um, so that's why I call him like Beyonce. You know how Beyonce yeah. just always like says the right things, and she's never flustered, right. and you never get a ton of emotion either way. That was that was Bryce Young. Like I'm supposed to be here. I'm here. I'm going to work hard. You know that um, that feeling I got from him, um, which I think you you know it was very much he's the he's the clubhouse favorite, right? Like, mm-hmm. like he's the leader in the club. That's the feeling you have with with, with that comes with that um, that confidence. Um, that poise, I think he's definitely going to be a leader of men. I'm just being honest, though. I don't, and I've covered the game for so long. We always talk about how old we are, Q. Yeah. I, I don't love the size. And I know people say it doesn't matter. He has that it factor. I'm big on history. I'm big on trends. Because um, I do think that you can learn a lot about what's going to happen, happen, and you can predict a lot about what's going to happen by looking at the past. And we just haven't seen top small Top ten quarterbacks do well. Right in the in the past couple of years, we can list a bunch of them. So that's what makes me worried. I get the it factor. I saw. I watched Bama. I get it. I get the it factor. You know what? Though when you come to the NFL, everybody has the it factor. That's why they're there. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're you're going up against you're going up against uh, Max Crosby. He has the it factor. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're going up against those guys that are trying to knock your head off. Like, uh, you know, I just, I worry about that. I look at somebody like Tua Tungavailoa, who we don't know how long his career is going to last because he's one bad hit away yep. from having to retire. And with the frame, I stood next to Bryce Young. I am a hair under 5'4". Like, on a good day, I'm 5'4". You guys saw the pictures I tweeted out. Mm-hmm. He's not that much bigger than me. He's right. not. Right. I mean, it's it, when you see the actual the frame. So I, I say, like, you look at, like, a Kyler Murray. When I stand next to Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray's bigger. He's wider. Um, there's more, as we say, there's more lead in his backside. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce is, is a slight-of-frame man. Um, and I, I wish, I hope that he proves everybody wrong. I told him that that night. He deserves to be there. Uh, he was clearly the best, uh, you know, the, the best quarterback available in this draft. I just worry about the size. I would have taken C.J. Stroud. This is my long way of saying I would have taken C.J. Stroud. I like it. I, I'm not mad at that at all. I love the honest approach, and, and that's why we have you on because you, you'll bring the heat and you'll bring the honesty as well. And with C.J. Stroud, there was a lot of conversation before the draft, and I thought that there was a chance maybe the Raiders were going to find a way to get him, but there was a lot of conversation that the Houston Texans didn't want him, and you saw how quickly they turned that card in. They went and got him immediately, and you said you have a good feeling about him. What do you, what do you think about C.J. Stroud at the next level? I know he's got a little chip on his shoulder now. You think he's able to kind of turn that into production on the next level? And don't you love that? Like, I kind of yes. love that the NFL gave him that. Yep. I'm like, if I'm him, I'm going, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm going, thank you to whoever developed the S2 or whatever the hell the test is called, the C2, the F2. I've never heard of it before. Ever. But he's going, thank you. Yeah, ever. Uh, but he's going, thank you. Because now, now you've got a guy that's coming from, you know, a big conference that I, I said to him backstage, I go, CJ, like, I try to look at things from an uh, analytical standpoint, I try not to be too emotional, but I just got to say this to you because I'm on your side here. I have covered this game for a long time. I have never heard of the test that everybody's talking about, but I did watch you play against Georgia. <laughs> right. You know, I saw that game. So so I'm not – you can't tell me that that test is going to make me doubt you because I saw what you did against a defense that might have been able to beat some NFL offenses this year. Right. Georgia was beast. So – 
I, I have a lot of faith in the kid. Here's another thing that I've said about C.J. Stroud. The reason why he wasn't flustered, uh, the reason why he did have the comment of, you know, I'm not a test taker, I'm a football player, the way he really wasn't worried, I don't think he was worried when he flew in um, for the draft. The kid has been through uh, much harder things in life, right? He lost his father at, at 13 years old. He didn't lose him to death. He lost him to incarceration. Mm-hmm. And talk about a lot to go through right when you're coming of age. And he had a mother that guided him through that, that went to work at a storage facility. And they lived in the storage facility, him and his sisters and his mother. He has been through, like, people didn't know that he was living there when he was going back and forth to high school. They had no idea what he was going through. So a little test or people saying maybe he's not as smart, it didn't bother him. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of stuff that helps with the transition to the NFL that people underestimate. It's what has he been through in his life? How, how tested is he before he got to the NFL? How did he handle all this draft noise? And I think we learned a lot about C.J. Stroud um, through the way that he handled the draft process. And I'm, I'm excited for him. I, I think that he's going to a situation where – Clearly, uh, the Texans want to make big moves, and they want to make some waves this year, and they can do it in that division. That division's wide open. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody's going to tell me, like, oh, the Jaguars, are chasing the ja- You better crown the Jaguars. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I get it. But that was a weak division. That that could be the division that goes from worst to You see somebody go from worst to first. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for TJ Show. I look at makeup. All of those things matter in life. I love it. I love it. Amber, Amber Thea Harris breaking it down for us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Love having Amber on. Go ahead, Damon. I want to keep it on that AFC South division because how surprised were you covering the draft that Will Levis dropped to the Titans in the second <laughs> That's round? Your boy. But Anthony, yeah, he's my boy now. But <laughs> Anthony Richardson was taken at number four when everybody thought that the Colts were going to take Levis. It surprised me zero, Damon. Zero. I actually have a Zoom of me telling my USC class that was uh, I, I was on Zoom with them Wednesday night before the drop, so I had to wrap up my semester. <laughs> so I was on the road teaching the class, and I said, the, the, the students asked me, what's your biggest prediction for the draft? And I, I, have, a, I have a clip. I said, Anthony, Richard, Anthony Richardson is going to go top five, and Will Levis will not be selected in the first round. Mm. And these kids had the inside scoop. My prediction. <laughs> I have a Zoom. I will send it to you. We can put it out on, on Twitter. Um, Anthony Richardson has the kind of talent that you cannot pass up on. And I think the NFL is moving more and more towards um, just upside is valued so much, like athleticism with our quarterbacks and upside. And I just didn't see, you know, a team passing on him when – there were teams in the top five, so many of them needed a quarterback. I also know Will Levis. I know he had a great year at Kentucky, but that was it. And that was one year. Now, we could say on the flip side, 13 games at Florida by Anthony Richardson. Um, but if I'm going to have a small sample size of one of those two quarterbacks, I- I'm going to lean on Anthony Rich. I'm going to lean towards Anthony Richardson because I'm going to go with that upside. You know, Will Levis is older. There was also, you know, there were the rumors, and you don't know what to believe that he, he didn't really jive with the teams from a personality standpoint. And I think we saw that, right? We, we saw that they were like, no, I'm good. And he went in the second round. So, you know, I think he went to um, a good place. Uh, I know Devon's excited to have him there right. uh, with the Titans. <laughs> um, it's nice to have Tannehill there. 
And and we'll see. But for me, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, like to me, there it was a no brainer. I would have taken Anthony Richardson just like the the Colts did, and as a top five pick. And he was amazing backstage, by the way. Genuinely humbled, ready to work. I asked him. I said, "Everybody says you're a project. Everybody says you need developed." And you know, some some young men would be rubbed the wrong way or give me an attitude back. And he said, "We're just being drafted. None of us have done anything in the NFL. We're all being developed. We yeah. all need to develop." That's and a I great think answer. That's a great answer. Yep, it is. Great answer. Mm-hmm. Again, it's that makeup thing that you kind of you get this feel, and you see the way they interact with their families, and it you just are like, "Wow, that that guy." I, I, I'm rooting for him now. He was one of them for sure for me, Anthony Richardson. Last quarterback question I want to ask you about when it comes to a team that you also know very well, the Baltimore Ravens. What did you think about Lamar getting that deal just hours before the draft started? That was a that was a ditch. That was a that was a that was, <laughs> it was a, a news dump. That was a news dump. Yeah. Look away. Look away. <laughs> Um, I think it's so, I think it's, you know, I kind of, I, I'm not surprised that's what was going to happen. I always thought Eric DeCosta was going to get that done. Um, I didn't think Lamar was going anywhere because look, I, I, I say, I think in the end, yes, I know Lamar got his money. He didn't get quite as much as he wanted, but he got an enormous deal, like an enormous deal, the you know, biggest ever. Um, but I think Eric DeCosta kind of won that one when they gave him the non-exclusive franchise tag and went, go out and get the deal that you want. Like, prove that you are worth this in this market. And Lamar couldn't. He didn't get a deal. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the, that the Ravens put themselves in a fantastic position going into the draft because Lamar wasn't really sure if they were going to draft a quarterback. And I have no doubt in my mind, I, I know the Ravens wanted him back. I know they wanted to make it work. But I have no doubt in my mind that they would have taken a quarterback. They would have moved on. Mm-hmm. They would have been like, all right, we're cool. I absolutely think their draft board changed uh, the, the hour before. I can uh, see that. When they knew that, or you know, a couple hours before when they knew that Lamar was going to sign. So I think that they won in the fact that they accelerated that deal in the I, process of getting it done by first setting the stage that you need to figure out what you're worth. Go find the deal for us. He couldn't. And then they're like, okay, let's, let's now talk again. I think it put, and we might take a quarterback if you don't sign now. So uh, I say advantage uh, DeCosta on that one. There's no doubt. There's a reason why Baltimore and their front office is so good at what they do, and they've been doing it for a long time, and I really respect how they get their, their business taken care of and the way that they go about it. Again, Amber Theo Harris is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. I wanted to bring it back to the Raiders. Michael Mayer, they drafted him in round two. Uh, I think he was tied in number one, but he goes in round two. What did you think of that addition? How much better can that Raiders offense be now with Michael Mayer in the mix? I'm really excited about that pick. I mean, obviously Tyree Wilson is, is huge, and I'm excited about him and his seven foot two wingspan, which is pretty unbelievable. Yep. Um, but Michael Mayer, when when Laporta's name went number two for for tight ends, I was like, wait, wait, hold on, wait, what? I, I had to like double check. So I was like, there's no way if somebody's taking a tight end, they're not going to take Michael Mayer if he's there. So for him to be the third tight end off the board, that is the steal. I hate the word steal of the draft. <laughs> but it is the steal of the draft uh, for the Raiders. They were worth everything to go and make that happen when they knew he was available. We all know Josh McDaniels. We've been talking about this since I started coming on the show last year. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels' offense want to work from the inside out. They want to focus on big tight ends, slot receivers, 
And hey, having Devontae Adams, that is awesome, right? Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll finish off with that. Yep. But it's really the, the heart of what Josh McDaniels wants to do comes from those Gronk-like t- tight ends. Um, and now he has one, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see that because I think it fits what Josh is truly trying to do. And, um, man, I mean, what he did at Notre Dame, he's, he's a big dude. He, you know, he can run block. I just think he's going to be awesome. I do, too. And, Amber, I really think he helps out in a major way in the red zone. The Raiders can now throw the ball into the end zone instead of trying to throw the ball short and hope that a guy breaks a tackle and gets into the end zone. I know. Well, I mean, that, that's going to be something that they haven't had, you know, with Darren Waller not being healthy at times. Yep. Um, you know what? They're not gonna. They're not gonna have it with Trey Tucker. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> they're gonna get no. those contested. They're not gonna get those contested balls with him. So yeah, I think that that is such an advantage because look, the offense doesn't have a problem moving the chains. Mm-hmm. Let's assume Josh Jacobs plays, which I, I don't want to assume that I, that might not happen. You know, but he hasn't signed the tag. But if Josh Jacobs is there, they move the chains. They move the chains wonderfully. Um, it's just a matter of getting in the end zone in the end, and that's going to be huge. I mean, I, I can't remember what the red zone efficiency percentage was last year, but I know it wasn't fantastic. Right. So I think this is going to um, really, as you say, give them a weapon that's going to make them really dangerous. Now, I said I only had a couple more, but you caught my attention when you said, you know, you don't want to assume Josh Jacobs is going to be there. Is he, is he more valuable to another team at this stage of the game than the Raiders, or is that just me? Yes. <laughs> I think I'm not speaking for Josh. I'm right. speaking from Josh's standpoint. Right. Um, I think there is a clear trend that McDaniels and Ziegler are anybody who wasn't theirs ain't theirs. Doesn't matter if you led the league in rushing, not mine. They want to make, they want to create this team the way they want to create it. They want their own guys. Um, I don't think, and, you know, McDaniels comes from that system, so does Ziegler, of, of not valuing running backs. You know, they won championships with, with running backs by committee. So I think from Josh's standpoint, um, trade him. If I'm, if I'm Josh right now, I'm like, I'm not signing that. I'm holding out, and then trade me. That's, that's what I would do, and I think that's really a fair thing for him to do. I don't think that's him being a me guy. I think the writing's on the wall. Um, I don't think there are negotiations going on. I stand firm in that. I don't think there is an effort to sign him long-term right at this moment. And um, if that's not, you know, if they don't have an intention of having him long-term, get value for him. It's great for the Raiders. Get value for him. I just don't know if you go into a season thinking Zemir White is going to be the answer. I'm not saying he can't step up, but I, I just think that leaves a big hole uh, for this particular season. Maybe good long run for what you can get for, for Josh Jacobs in the future. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It really is. I know he has a camp coming up in about 15 days here in Vegas, and so I'm sure he'll get a few questions asked then if there's not any movement on any kind of contract. Well, that's that's an interesting little nugget again. Amber Theo Harris is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We'll wrap up with this. The Raiders selected five guys that participated in the Senior Bowl. They actually picked six because Tyree Wilson was there, even though he didn't participate, and signed an undrafted free agent. So really it's seven all came from the Senior Bowl. Uh, how, how big is that that they had that opportunity to get out there up close and, uh, and, and personal with those guys early as coaches on the Senior Bowl staffs? Oh, I think that's huge. It gave them such an advantage. Plus, for the, the guys that get, you know, that enter the draft, playing in the Senior Bowl is such uh, – it, it really helps your, your draft value. It really does because for teams to be able to see you, not just like, coach, you know, coaches that were out there coaching it, but – 
all 32 teams. Um, you see guys that might decline to go to the Senior Bowl. I think that's a bad idea. Really getting uh, – I'm, I'm seeing now, especially over the past couple of years, how much value the Senior Bowl has. Um, I've heard a lot of GMs or a lot of scouts or a lot of coaches tell me, like, oh, like we, we had a chance to talk to him at the Senior Bowl or we saw him at the Senior Bowl. I hear that more often than I used to. So I think that that's become a scouting ground, a major scouting ground, especially in the last couple of years. And, I, and that definitely gave Ziegler and uh, McDaniels a, a leg up. Uh, to to be out there and and see these guys that clearly that was they that was a big part of their evaluation process. You know, I Ziegler mm-hmm. was telling me like there's so many there's so much information out there that we have right because I asked him about the S two test. He's like I've heard of it. I don't we don't use it. You right. know, it's not, he's like we kind of have our own thing. He said we like to do kind of um you know we bring them here and kind of put them through what we what we would do for you know a camp day, you know, have them study the offense. Can they repeat it? Those kind of things they value. But I think Ziegler definitely values being able to see somebody in the, in the senior bowl is one of the pieces of information that he values more than others. Yeah, no, it seemed like it with all the selections and all the attention that they had uh, on the senior bowl. They definitely, uh, like I said, they dipped into it quite a bit. Well, I'll wrap up with this. You, you mentioned your class at USC. I saw the picture you tweeted out of the class. You said the next, uh, you know, the, the next string of, of journalists, not in those exact words, but you know what I mean. Uh, how cool is that to be able to have that opportunity to kind of usher in the next, the next group of, of potential great journalists? It's so, it's so fun because I wish I had somebody that shared their, their wealth of information with me and kind of, I did along the way. I had, I had two people in particular and it's kind of, you know, my way of repaying them, you know, Lord yeah. knows we're not, we're not out there teaching, making money or doing anything like that. Um, it really is my way of kind of like saying, okay, people, people did help me. I wish I had more women really honest with me about what I was up against. Um, and so I really, really love to have the opportunity to really send these students out into the world open eyed, but even more eager because they know what's ahead. Um, and I try to give them as many practical skills as I can to to attack that. And also for me, being, you know, coming in in the late 90s, you know, we were swimming upstream as women. We still are. But to to feel like, man, I'm putting you into a world that I really fought hard to make better for you means something to me. So I love working face-to-face with these, especially the young women. I love the men, too. But especially the young women. It really means something to me. I'm not mad at you. I, I, I love the, the mentorship. I love you, you know, helping them out and teaching them along the way. And like you said, uh, learning something that, that you didn't know coming up and you had to kind of learn on your own. I think that's really good. And uh, you're doing a fantastic job with it. Well, besides that, what else are you working on? I know you're super busy, but do you get any time to kind of have a little rest of relaxation with the family? Oh, I'm trying. You know, we just had Greek Easter, so we have 65-person lamb roast. Ooh. Out here in L.A. Nice. That was fun. We were getting down. Uh, got a first communion coming up with the kids next next nice. Saturday. So uh, going to be excited about that. So life is good, man. I'm very blessed. And uh, I can't wait for football season to start. It Now that the draft is over, you kind of have this, like, little empty feeling. You're glad to have a little bit of time off, but you're like, eh. I kind of want. I kind of want to be back out on the field. <laughs> right. That's why we do this. We no, love it. Yes. There's no doubt. Look, if I get too much downtime, the wife's going to have me doing all kind of uh, honeydews at the house, and you know I ain't about that life. <laughs> I'm not oh, about. My husband's <laughs> over me. Oh, my husband's <laughs> over me. Yeah. He just. He just said you can't do any more lists. It's demeaning. I said, Well, how am I supposed to tell you what to do? So I'm just not doing a list. Right. Don't give me one. Exactly. So that's, that's 
where we are right now. He's like, can you please fly back to Vegas and go work? Can you please get out of my hair? <laughs> good man. Good man. That's my dog right there. Well, Amber, thanks so much. I appreciate you. Have a fantastic weekend. You know we'll be talking soon. Awesome. Love you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you, Amber. Fantastic stuff. One of our favorite guests that we have here on the show, Amber Theo Harris, Silver and Black Productions, Sirius XM Radio, covers fantasy footballs, covers the drafts, covers just about everything, the Combine, the Super Bowl, Westwood One, Sirius XM, whatever the case may be, she's on it like a glove, and we definitely appreciate dropping those nuggets. And interesting nuggets she dropped about Josh Jacobs there, huh? She's usually spot on, too. Whatever she says, she's usually spot on. She told me months ago that Bryce Young was the one for the Raiders. If it wasn't Bryce Young, it wasn't anybody. And, you know, we ended up ultimately hearing that. We know that they tried to trade up to the number one spot. They didn't get it. So uh, Amber's spot on when she talks. So I'm just saying. The real truth teller. Yes. I mean, telling it like it is. All the time. Even talking about you and your whatever kind of drink you got when you were at the – where were we at, man? Where were we at when you got that drink? I don't know. It was like a speakeasy. I mean, we can't no, remember. No, where were we at? Like, what city were oh, we Oh, we in? were in Phoenix. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forget. For the Super Bowl. That's right. Enrique, we'll see you, brother. We'll see you on Monday. Enrique's leaving the building. Uh, what, his last day is Monday? His last day is Monday. Oh, man. Uh, how is your last day on Monday? How did you work that out? I mean, you know, he's graduating. So high school is almost over. I know, but if my last day uh, my last day is going to be Friday. It ain't going to be Monday. Oh, so you're saying he should just skip Monday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't come back. <laughs> no, I don't mean don't come back here. I mean, like, whatever he's got going on. Like, how's your last day on Monday? Someone did that wrong. It's almost like when you – it, there's two things I'll tell you, and then we'll take a break. we got Carolina T coming up next. It's two things in life that you always need to do. When you turn in your two-week <laughs> notice, before you turn in your two-week notice, you pay attention to where payday drops. You make sure your two-week notice ends on payday. Not a second too early, not a second too late. You make sure there's no excuse why that last paycheck ain't there waiting for you. Like, don't put your two-week notice in, and then all of a sudden you only get one week in, and you have to wait another week to get your paycheck. That means you got to come back. And depending on how you leave, that might, you know what I mean? Like, something could go wrong. So when you're calculating this thing up, you got to do it smartly. You're going to put your two-week notice in, make sure that that last day ends on payday. I'm just saying. Real quick, speaking of the young minds He's that on, people. He's on speaking of the last day, Q, I want to talk to you about that. No, no, the young minds <laughs> that people mold. This coming Tuesday, I was invited to the uh, graduation for a Tobias Spotted Eagle, the uh, intern. Tobias that we, used to be here, right? Yeah, the, the old intern that we okay. have. So his graduation at Faith Lutheran for their special, you know, broad, you know, these big fancy schools. Yeah. They got like a full full graduation ceremony just yeah. for like the broadcast kids. Oh, and okay. I And I got the invitation. Nice. Excited to go to that. So you're like a mentor of his. Yeah, he's going to Oklahoma. He's been telling really? me all about it. Yeah. Wow, boomer sooner, huh? Yeah. Nice. JT's son is graduating from Oklahoma. There's a lot of Big 12 ties going on around here. Just saying. 326 at the time. Carolina Teague, League of Her Own Podcast, ESPN 97.5. She'll join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. I threw the question out there on the WBroke.com text line, a 69187 keyword R&R. And, of course, when we don't have a guest, you can hit us up at 702-365-9200. We've already talked about the offense in great detail when it comes to the Raiders and Jimmy G. But what are your realistic expectations for the defense based off what they've done so far this offseason, the free agents that they've signed, and also the draft class that they just had last week? Jim from Yonkers hit us up at 69187 keyword R&R. He said, I think it depends on how these guys grasp the coach's scheme. I have more faith in Ziegler than McDaniels and Graham as of today. Hopefully that changes. It would be nice to see a quarterback running for his life after two seconds uh, instead of picking us apart. We may need a nickname for Wilson once he gets going. Thank you for a great show. Sports movie trivia for D. What movie is this from? And who said it? I play coach. Stays. He goes. I go. I play coach. Stays. He goes. I go. 
Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Derby. I have no idea what that means. No idea. Q, you're not the best actor because uh, from the line <laughs> delivery, you didn't give me any emotion. I, I, don't, I don't know I, what he means. No clue, brother. So if you want to just go ahead and you stumped me on he that one. He said, who said it? I play. There's no punctuation, so I don't know where I'm going. I don't, I'm not riffing here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, just go ahead and text us in the answer. Because, I play uh, coach. <laughs> I play coach. Wait. I play coach stays. He goes. I go. I don't know, man. There's like eight different ways I can say yeah, that. I'm bowing out on that one. All right. Not, not even a guess? No clue. I don't either. I've never heard of it. The only, the, only, the only movie that I ever like to quote, and I mess it up every time I say it, is, are you not entertained? Is this not what we came for? I think I do it backwards every time. Remember the Titans? I don't know. I mean, any, I give, any given Sunday? I mean, I don't know. Don't drop me. I'm worth a million dollars. That's what Lawrence Taylor said after they was. he got his bonus. Well, I don't know. Join us now on the phone lines. Maybe she has a lot better clue than we do because we're obviously clueless here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and Sarah Ruff. This is our good friend Carolina Teague, League of Her Own podcast. And Carolina, thanks for your time. Do you have any idea what that movie was or are you as lost as we are? Absolutely no clue. Okay. None. And your, your reading of the script is not good at all. So Thank I have you. no clue exactly what it was. Yeah. I think um, – you should keep your day job because it probably wouldn't be it. <laughs> I'm, look, man, I don't know. The script didn't have any kind of punctuation, so I didn't know where to pause, where to go. Like I need, I'm like E40. Tell me when to go, right? <laughs> Give me a break. I don't know. Jeez, you guys are a cold, know, cold group. And what sucks is that I don't watch movies. I don't really – it can't keep my attention for too long. I like to watch TikToks and things like that. Those are really tough for me to figure it out. <laughs> you rather watch a movie in 10 seconds than watch a movie in, like, two hours. <laughs> yeah, just give me the, the cliff notes and I'll be fine. I'm really – I have zero attention to that, so there you I'm go. the wrong person to ask. Right, I hear you. Well, Jim from Yonkers hit us back and said, think Gene Hackman. Damon, does that do anything for you? Hoosiers. But I, I uh, No, it's, it's definitely Hoosiers then. I'm sure that's what – uh. Jimmy Chipwood or whoever said to, uh, you know, they were going to fire Gene Hackman. Who's yours? It's not that good of a movie. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm out of there. I'm out of there on that conversation. We'll get into something that I know about, at least a little bit that I know about, and we'll also talk to Carolina about something that she knows about. And how about Canelo versus Ryder? It's going down this weekend, and it's not a Cinco de Mayo without a, a Canelo fight being, uh, being happening around Cinco de Mayo. So uh, what are your expectations? What are your thoughts as uh, Canelo is going to be getting in the ring again tomorrow? I'm excited for him. This is his first time going back to his hometown in Mexico since 2011. So a lot of Mexican fans are really excited for this fight. And so am I. It, it wouldn't be a Cinco de Mayo without a Canelo fight. He always tends to fight around this time. And him fighting against Ryder, I know a lot of people aren't excited because this isn't a huge draw for boxing fans. So, um if you are a boxing purist, you will enjoy this fight. But for people who are casuals, I really don't think that this will interest them that much. I got a question for you. I mean, I know you're a big Vegas fan. You love Vegas. I mean, shouldn't there always be a fight on Cinco de Mayo or around Cinco de Mayo here in Las Vegas? Why Vegas? Why, why not? Why you you like Vegas? Vegas? We all love Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I love Vegas, and I would love to see a fight in Vegas, but I feel like Cinco de Mayo fight should be in Mexico. Because isn't that a Mexican holiday? I mean, is it? I'm Mexican. I'm Mexican. Carolina, I had someone try to test my stones earlier today because I said (laughs) that I like Cinco de Mayo. I said on my podcast that it's one of my favorite days of the year. And I had a dude actually hit me up, try to test my stones. It was like, Q, 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 I got a question for you. I was like, yeah, what's up? 
what, what is May 5th? And I was like, it's the Battle of Pueblas. Why? And I said it immediately. And he goes, oh, oh, okay. Well, most Americans don't know that. And I knew that you would. And I was like, no, clearly you didn't think that I did know. <laughs> and I do know. I know that Mexican Independence Day is in September. I was like, bro, you better check my resume. All right? They don't call me a black skin for no reason, right? I mean, I, look, come on. Let's keep it real. You lived in Texas. You lived in Texas. Exactly. That's as close to the border as it gets. So I think <laughs> people are not giving you as much credit as you deserve. And for me personally, I actually am Mexican. And I don't even know what Cinco de Mayo is all about because every day is Cinco de Mayo for me. It's, it's just Mexican, alcoholics, drinks. <laughs> it's right up my alley. And boxing goes right there with it. It so, does. Um, I mean, it's, it's not unfair to pop quiz you about Cinco de Mayo when somebody like myself really doesn't even know what it's all about because every day it seems like a mile for me. You already know that, Q. I, I do. But the thing is, is I, I, <laughs> I, I actually achieved the goal. I won that that uh, that pop quiz. I, I got him like, immediately. I hit him right back. I'll say this. I'm sure there's some great single to mile celebrations going on in San Antonio today. You know what? Actually, they, one of my favorite taco trucks just opened a new location today, and I just felt like that was perfect marketing. So I actually am going to go celebrate by eating tacos at my favorite taco restaurant. And there is a bunch of little uh, Mexican celebrations going around, especially at Market Square. But, you know, Cinco de Mayo is just another day for me, honestly. I really don't like to celebrate until we get to Mexican Independence Time, which is around, what, the middle of September, yeah. August? Yeah, it's between August and September. And they say that it's messed up because I'm Mexican. And they say, like, even during our own months that we get we still have to cross a border which is the month going in from august to september and i think that is so messed up that they say that to us i'm like why why is why don't we have a full month why can't we get all of september why can't we get all of august why do we have to cross the monthly border that's weird don't you carolina think, carolina you get you get no sympathy from us We're, we get black history <laughs> month it's only 28 days and every once in a while it's 29 so <laughs> you know so don't, you don't you don't get you don't get any sympathy from us around here i'm just saying so, Carolina Teague is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Damon. Yeah, let's get bring it back to Canelo and boxing in the fight this weekend against John Ryder. Canelo, this fight is going to be taking place at the super middleweight division at 168. But he's already said, hey, he's already looking past John Ryder, let's be honest, that he wants to fight Bavola again, Dimitri Bavola, the guy that beat him at 175 for that light heavyweight championship. Do you think it's a good idea for Canelo to keep trying to move up and wait? Do I think it's a great idea? He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's the undisputed. He's the face of boxing, according to him. It's not Tank Davis. I think if he's looking past John Ryder. Honestly, do you guys think that's a good thing? Because I feel like it's smarter when boxers look at the fight that's right in front of them. And that may be one of the reasons why Canelo lost to Vivo in the first place is because he was looking past him and not looking right in front of the person who was in front of him. I think he needs to focus on his fight against John Ryder and fighting at a high altitude in Guadalajara and just be about that right now. Well, yeah, and I mean, talking about Tank and, uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you, the last time I saw Canelo fight, he didn't look great at all, right? I was doing a radio show, but I was watching at the same time, and I was like, man, this dude does not look like what he's supposed to look like. So, uh, you know, he, he's already talking noise about Tank. So how do you feel? I mean, is it Canelo? Is he the face of boxing? Is Tank all of a sudden coming up? How do you feel about that? I mean, if we're being technical, when you're looking at the pay-per-view buys over the past several years, Canelo has dominated in regards to buys and dominating as far as pay-per-view buys are concerned. He's also the one of the only six or seven undisputed champions of the world when it comes to boxing. So when you're looking at who is the face of boxing, 
Canelo would technically be it. But when we look at the previous tank fight against Ryan Garcia, they did something that we haven't seen in a really long time. Two different promotions. You had the zone and you had Showtime cross-promoting each other to make the fights that everybody wants to see happen. And I think that's kind of what gives Tank the edge right now. And that's why people are saying he's the face of boxing because he ended up coming out on top of that fight. And Canelo really hasn't fought the people that everybody wants him to fight. People want him to fight Benavidez. People want him to fight Charlo. But those fights aren't happening because he's fighting people like Ryder that people aren't really that much interested in. So, if we're looking at the face of boxing, technically it is Canelo. But if Tank keeps making these fights happen that everybody wants to see, then who's to say that he can't be the face of boxing really soon? I've got to ask you, when it comes to Canelo and not making the fights that people want to see, you mentioned Benavidez, and he just put the beat down on Kayla Plant, someone that Canelo has also fought. Do you think that Canelo is ducking Benavidez? Ooh. Yes, Ooh. I do. I do, because... If, if you weren't ducking him, why wouldn't you make that fight happen? That's the fight that literally every, seems like everybody wants that fight to happen. Benavides has a ton of power, and he was dying for his per first pay-per-view fight against Caleb Plant, and he was able to take him all the way and won by decision. But he's been wanting that fight with Canelo to happen, and he has so much power. Boxing fans would absolutely love to see that. I do think he's ducking him because why are you looking forward to fighting Bibble? I mean, obviously, he lost him, so he wants that rematch. But I feel like stalling on that fight against Benavidez is just doing everybody else a disservice. So if you want to call yourself the face of boxing, then make the fights that everybody wants to see actually happen. I couldn't agree with you more because, like I said— How are you the best in the business, though, and then you're ducking guys? Like, how could you—you know what I mean? Like, you can't duck guys. In boxing, but nobody's really, nobody's really trying to fight in boxing. It's the unknown. It's the uh, you know <laughs> saying the quiet part out loud in boxing that nobody's really trying to fight each other oh, in a combat sport. But uh, I've got to ask yeah, you again. Yeah, because because everybody wants to keep their titles. Everybody wants to remain undisputed. Everybody too many titles. Remain, yeah, ex too many yeah, titles. Too many titles. First of all, yeah, and everybody wants to remain undefeated or keep their winning calls so they can keep the money flowing in. That's understandable, and it's more like of chess, not checkers, when it comes to boxing and who your next opponent's going to be. But it's really a disservice to the fans and who wants to actually see good fights go down because if Canelo, like I said, wants to call himself the face of boxing, then fight Benavidez. Oh. Because Tank fought Ryan Garcia like everybody wanted, so make the fights happen that everybody wants to see. Yeah, but that wasn't really that much of a risk for Tank. But I do want to ask about <laughs> Ryan Garcia. When it comes to, like, how he's handled this loss, where everybody's like, ah, oh, man, he's taking this loss like a, like a, like a good sport, you know, not mo like, you know, moaning and groaning about the loss. But w what do you think is going to be next for Ryan Garcia? Honestly, you know, he, he says what everybody else says. After they lose against Tank, they always want to move up to 140. After that, that's usually what people say after they lose to him. Um, so what is surprise me if he goes uh, up to 140 or makes a change in, in who he fights. I would really like to see Ryan Garcia go up against Mario Barrios from San Antonio, another person who lost the tank. He lost the tank in the 11th round. And Tank has always said he would rematch somebody who he beat past round 10. And that was probably one of Tank's hardest fights, in my opinion. So I think that a big draw for Ryan Garcia would be to go up against somebody like Mario Barrios. I think that would be a great fight to put together. They're both very strong fighters. They take boxing very seriously. And I would like to see that fight happen.
Carolina Teague is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness just got a couple more for you. And I wanted to turn our attention to the NBA and even the WNBA. Of course, we have Becky Hammond here. The LV Aces are about to defend their title. But there's guys getting fired. There's coaches getting fired in, uh, in, in the NBA. The Bucks fired their coach. The Toronto Raptors fired their coach. Toronto already has requested Becky Hammond. Do you think this may be the go-around where a team really seriously puts in an offer to have Coach Hammond be in the NBA? I, w- I would honestly really like to see that happen. She has more than proven herself to be a capable coach for an NBA team. However, um, coming from a woman's perspective, she had to fight really hard to become an assistant coach, to be respected, not in the Spurs organization, but amongst her peers. There were reports that came out in the past how people weren't really taking her interviews that seriously, and she had to make the move to go from the NBA to a WNBA coach, and she actually won a title with the Aces. She's the highest-paid coach in the WNBA. She's treated really well, and she's made a name for herself in that aspect. Uh, To see her jump back to the NBA would be an uphill battle once again, but it's something that she could absolutely do. I'd love to see her do it. But I agree with Becky Hammond when she says, focus on the WNBA right now. Let's not take the eyes off of the Las Vegas Aces and let's keep capitalizing off of their wins and their championships rather than seeing what her next move is going to be. Although I do think that the NBA really dropped the ball by not ever hiring her Mm -hmm. because she's fully way more capable than a lot of these NBA coaches are. Um, it would have to be the right move for her. The Vegas, the Aces were a great move for her because they already had a good record coming in prior to her becoming the head coach of their team. But um, if she were to come to a team in the NBA, I think it'd have to be the right spot for her. And I'm, I'm really upset that they fired Coach Bud, too, by the way. I was, I was going off. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Yeah. Well, you know, it really makes me mad that they fired him. I mean, they were the one seed in the NBA. He took them to a championship two years ago. And... His brother died prior to Game 4, and the Bucks didn't play well in Game 4 and Game 5, and they blamed the coaches. Well, maybe it's because his brother passed away. And I think people, are, people have been telling me, his brother died, it's not okay, uh, you, it's okay to fire him because his brother died, that has nothing to do with business. I think, at what point do organizations take off their business hats and they put on their compassionate hats? And kind of feel for this coach who just lost his brother after he took the Bucks to a one seed. And unfortunately, they weren't able to move past the first round because Giannis had an injury and there were injuries on the team. But you're going to fire him over that? I just think it's stupid. And I don't, I don't like the fact that they fired him. That was a dumb move by the Bucks, And it should warn a lot of other potential head coaches for the Milwaukee Bucks to see what could possibly happen to them if they lead their team to success in the future. I like it. I do. And, you know, it's, it's similar to what was going on in Houston with the Texans. You know, I mean, the, the Texans uh, had a coach, and David Coley fired him after one year, right? Had another coach, fired him after one year. It's like, okay, this is becoming a trend, uh, you know, so that's something, and I don't think that's going to happen now with D'Amico Ryans, but I think that is a good sign, you know, or not a good sign, but a good warning to other potential coaches. Like, hey, be careful because, well, you might not be here for long. So Carolina, as we wrap this up, and this has been fantastic, I did want to ask you, because I got my guy Peg Leg Raider who's out there in San Antonio, he said, hey, uh, tell her I'm going to need the name of that taco truck. So what's the name of that taco truck that just opened up? So it's called Eric's Tacos. There's one on Nacogdoches, and they just opened up the new one in Cibolo, right here on the northeast side. And you know, if you live on the northeast side like me, it's hard to find some good tacos over here, except for the ones that I make here at my house. So, thank you. 
God, that Eric's Tacos is opening right up the street. I'm going to go over there tonight. I'm going to get me a fresh limonada. I might throw some vodka in there and just have me a good time. There you go. There you go. Look, when I get to San Antonio, the only thing I know is a river walk, and I know the Selena Bridge, and that's it. (laughs) Everything else, I'm done. Right. <laughs> I'm done. Selena Bridge and the Riverwalk, and I'm good. It's all in the same location, so that's that's uh, that's what I know. Well, I know you got the podcast, League of Our Own podcast. What do you got coming out on that? Who should uh, who's going to be a feature that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, I actually have some boxers coming on my podcast pretty soon, and I'm doing two wrestling shows coming up. I'm excited. Some local wrestling is going on, so um, you'll be on. You'll see some boxers coming up. They have they're pretty big names, so I'm excited to have them. Okay. on. Okay. podcast every Wednesday at six forty-five p.m. Boom. It's a little tease right there. She just dropped on us. DeMond, a little tease from Carolina Teague. Well, Carolina, thanks so much for your time. Great insight on the fights, and uh, thank you for dropping the knowledge on the taco truck. We appreciate that as well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Cinco de Mayo, and we'll talk soon. Bye, Kira DeMond. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. See you. There she goes, Carolina Teague, fired up. Boy, she's got fired up. It don't take much to get her fired up, but when she goes, she's ready to go. 3.50 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number two. Bart Scott. From ESPN, longtime NFL linebacker. He's on his way. He'll make his way and be in this studio in a matter of minutes as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Boy, are they lucky I got to do a national show tonight. 6 to 10 on ESPN, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Because if not, the weather's beautiful. It's a lot of folks hanging out. It's the weekend. Going to get the haircut tomorrow. Oh, everything would be lined up perfectly. But instead, I'm going to be at the house till 10. And I say until 10, because after 10, come on, all bets are off. 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, our friend, Juan the Smasher. What's on your mind, Juan? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. And all that's right. <laughs> hey, man, happy to stick with the to all these fools out here. You know, just be safe, drink them Coronas. And, uh, AQ, to answer your question about that defense, I just hope these fools can stop my home. And the Chiefs, that's the one team I want the Raiders to beat. But I'm, I'm very happy about those picks. I'm down, I'm down with Ziegler. I'm down, I'm down with the coach. You know, it, it's their time to shine. We can't be out here talking bad on, on these fools. But I think they're going to do a good job, the defense. But as long as, as long as they stop the Chiefs' cues, that's all that really matters to me because I can't stand them, cats, man. Every time I see Mahomes just throw 406 touchdowns and straight kills us at Allegiant Stadium, I don't want to see that no more, Q. Forget these fools. Hey, you guys have a good day, and thank you for everything you do, Q. Let's go, Raiders. There you go. Juan the Smasher, great call, my man. And, yeah, that's the, that's the goal at the end of the day. If you're the Raiders, and I know that they're not looking at it like this, but you're trying to beat the Chiefs. You're trying to consistently beat the Chiefs. That's how you take that next step. You've beaten the Broncos. You're really good at that. You usually split with the Chargers. Now you've got to find a way to split with the Chiefs. And then you got to find a way to consistently beat the Chiefs. That's that's what the goal is. So, Juan, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick. Again, we got Bart Scott, former NFL linebacker, uh, coming into the studio in just a few minutes. But let's talk to our friend, Raider Mack. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? What's up, Q? I know you're about to talk to um, uh, to my man. Uh, that dude played on one of the best defense, the Jets. Uh, he, he's a great analyst, mm-hmm. too, for ESPN. Yep. Hey, real quick. Um as far as the, as far as the Raiders, the defense just got to step up with better players. And 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 your your guy Trayvon Merrick, he got to play better. We got a yep. safety that's coming in. That young kid, you watch and see. I, I say by half the season he'll be in that spot because he he's aggressive. 
He's young and he's aggressive like Merrick, but the difference, Merrick don't make plays. He just, I mean, how much more time we got to give him? So this is it. Put up or shut up this year. Also, uh, your, your, your girl Carolina, she was crying about, for real, how many black coaches have been fired after one year like, like um, Steve Wilkes did when he was in Arizona? I don't. I mean, she's cool. I I heard what she said, but 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 I'm with you. I don't have no sympathy. It's not that we don't have no sympathy because his brother died. But the thing is, coaches get fired. That's what you in this business. You if you in that business, you know you're gonna get fired sooner or later. Yeah. That's just go. That's just part of it. And also, um, I just want I just want to make sure that you know everybody's concentrating on the Chiefs to to beat them. We we we're not even close to their level right now. We need we we need to concentrate on just getting better ourselves every year, and and then we'll catch up with them. But as far as trying to catch up in, to them in one year, yeah, you might beat them one time. But go look at it. We've lost what eleven out of twelve games. Today. Right. That's what you got. So take that one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. But but my thing is, you know, just 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 like the the um. Just like the Raiders in the past, you got to forget about the past and start concentrating on, on, on the defense this year and make sure. I, I don't have no faith in, in, in McDaniels. It's a lot of rumors going out about him and players and stuff. There's a lot. And if we don't si- sign um, Josh, we're going to be in trouble. I know uh, what's-her-name said before earlier that she don't think Josh is going to become. But we need Josh more than anybody else because – in order to keep Mahomes off the field, you got to run the ball. You can't be trying to throw tack for tack because you saw the, the the Eagles have the Eagles try that in the Super Bowl and end up losing. So that's that's it. You guys have a good weekend and uh, take care. All right, appreciate you, my man. That's Raider Mac. Does a fantastic job. Always hitting us up. Appreciate you. And look, that's the thing I'm saying about the Chiefs. I, I know you're not going to consistently beat the Chiefs, but you've got to start. You know, again, I mean, you split with the Chargers almost every year, right? And that's that's a good start. If you could split with the Chiefs every year, if you could almost look at the schedule and the schedule comes out next week and say, okay, going to win that one, going to lose that one, going to win this. You know, right now with the Broncos, you're like, okay, going to win both, right? And at some point, that's going to change, right? You're not going to be able to consistently say, oh, you're going to sweep the Broncos. But at least you know you feel pretty good about going up against them. The Chargers, I feel like any time the Raiders face the Chargers, there's a good chance that they can win that game. Right now with the Chiefs, I have that feeling every time, like, yeah, this is probably going to be a long day. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. So thank you so much, Raider Mac. I do appreciate you. And I think Carolina was coming from a, a point of they were a really good team. Giannis was injured. There was a lot of things that were going against them. And then all of a sudden, by the way, the coach's brother died uh, right before game four. And so it just it seemed like it was a little sudden to get rid of him. I'm sure that there was plenty of other reasons leading up to that before his brother ever died. But for the optics, it didn't really look so good. Hey, like, you know, kick him while he's already down. Right, that's, I think that's where she was coming from the most. But uh, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. 356 at the time. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Bart Scott, former Raider, or for, not Raider, Ravens, excuse me, and Jets linebacker and also part of ESPN's Barton Hahn. He'll be in studio with us. He's in town for Lovers and Friends, the music festival going on tomorrow. We'll talk to him about that and a lot more. It's, it's, it's Raider Nation Radio 920.